Welcome, welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes, a podcast which holds lawyers, prosecutors, and judges accountable for being idiots, or as we like to say here, assholes. Now, today we're dealing with the second episode of Matt Moore. You'll recall uh, on episode two of this season, uh, we ran through Matt's arrest, um, incarceration, and um, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, his prosecution and uh, acquittal, and I think you're going to find this very interesting. But first, we're going to talk about the asshole of the week. So actually, we have two assholes of the week, both prosecutors, uh, a Mary Carmack Altweiss and uh, an Andrea Reeb, and they're prosecutors in New Mexico. Now, uh, some of you may uh, remember New Mexico is the place where the uh, unfortunate uh, Alec Baldwin incident occurred where he accidentally or allegedly, according to these prosecutors, uh, negatively shot the uh, cinematographer and a very tragic case uh, nonetheless. Now, normally, we actually record many times the Asshole of the Week segment more contemporary, contemporaneous to when we actually uh, release the uh, the episode uh, so that we can find something topical that uh, happens uh, close to the uh, actual release here. This is a little bit dated only because, and you'll understand it, it's dated because uh, this wasn't discovered. The New York Times did a did a uh, story calling out these two prosecutors uh, after the fact, after Alec Baldwin's defense team found out what happened here. So, I mean, this is just, this is just so outrageous. So this Mary Carmack, uh, always, she's the um, district attorney, elected position uh, in New Mexico, uh, the jurisdiction where this uh, shooting occurred. And she had a, an, a prosecutor, Andrea Reeb, uh, work for her, former attorney uh, in this office. And during the time period uh, of, of this shooting, she uh, left the office and uh, ran for uh, a seat in the uh, New Mexico House of of representatives. So she actually, this Andrea Reeb, the former prosecutor, reaches out to her former boss and says, hey, I'd like to get involved with this Alec Baldwin prosecution because it'll really help my campaign. Now, remember, at the time, that they the, the prosecutor hasn't even got the investigation complete yet from the detectives that are looking at this case. And this uh, Carmack always responds to uh, Reeb, uh, saying, uh, I'm intending to either introduce you or send it in a press release when we get the investigation. So these two prosecutors, now I subsequently saw them on a national, the national news. They didn't look like the brightest bulbs to begin with and looked like they were over their head in this prosecution. But my point here is these two prosecutors conspired to help her political campaign by bringing her on as a special prosecutor to prosecute Alec Baldwin when they didn't even know they had a case. They haven't even evaluated the evidence yet. Now, I think this may, may blow the Alex Baldwin case completely out of the water because if you've got, if you've got two prosecutors that are, that are one of them planning to help the other in their political race, because we're going to, we're going to go after no matter what you think of Alec Baldwin or the case. I mean, that's just not right. You and, and I've seen it throughout my career, my entire career of prosecutors, prosecuting cases for their own political benefit or not prosecuting cases for their own uh, political benefit. And this is what happened here. And um, Mary Carmack, Altweiss, and Andrew Reeb are the assholes of the week. Picking up with episode two of the Matt Moore story, we left we let Matt off um, at the arrest uh, and when he was arrested. And we're going to start with the, uh, the planned uh, perp walk undertaken by not only the Westville police, but coordinated with the, uh, the media. So Matt, tell us about that. Perp walk. I, I, they were warning about it 
when I was being harassed on uh, online prior for like uh, you didn't enjoy your perp, perp walk and I didn't know what it was. What's he talking about perp walk? And then right when I was in jail, <laughs> um, I'm like, oh my god! When they open up this door, I, I bet you there's gonna be a bunch of media there. And uh, they did. They opened the door to take me to the cruiser, was to take me to jail. And there was I don't know 20 yards between where the door opened and where they positioned the cruiser with media so that, that they could film me walking towards the <laughs> towards the cruiser. I guess it's a thing. I don't know. You know that, right? Well, I, I know that. This was the Delaware County Jail? This was at the in the back of the Westville Police Department, that was, and they were going to take me to the Delaware. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So... Usually jails have a have an entranceway with the vehicle. They don't do that. But obviously, if the media was there, I mean, if people were there, yeah, there was there was several media. They were all there waiting. All right. So did, they uh, knew before I got arrested that, that uh, it was going to happen. Wonder wonder who wonder who made that happen. I, I, it's just so it's, outrageous. It's so it's a show. It's literally outrageous. A, a show. It's um, the whole thing. I hate to say that, but it is. What they're doing is they're selling a product to the to the public, and part of that is Burt Walk. Hey, look at here he is. Case closed. He's guilty. Look at him. Well, you know, do, you, do you remember? Do you remember the mics in your face? What what was being yeah. asked to you? They asked me how what I wanted to say to the, her family, um, which was just I, I was by then I was this don't say anything thing was um <laughs> was part of it I, I said they i said that the when they asked me um do you have anything to say to the family i just said um they're making a mistake and even just saying that my attorney court said what are you doing i told you not to say anything you know what i mean they mm -hmm. they don't want you to say anything at all and even even something like that so um, yeah, it was, that's all I said. It was just, they, they, they don't, they're making a mistake. So right. that's all I can muster. All right. So, so you, you, they keep you in the, in the, uh, Westerville. When did they, tra how long were you in Westerville before they transported you to? It was quick. It was, it was the same just, day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just right. an hour. maybe. Right. Um, and then, so COVID was still going on. So you were, um, you were arraigned by videotape. The next day. Okay. And what they set your bond at, knowing, and let me preface this, knowing that you had been out uh, this entire time, no, not a threat, was trying to find your wife, what did they set the bail at? $2.5 million. For those who are not familiar, it's, it's you could have raised 250000 cash, or was it two point five? or was it 2.5 cash? It was. That, that, that's from what I've been told. I don't know anything about the bail bondsman business or anything, but it's you come up with... 10% of whatever your bell is. You okay. have a bell bondsman or something, you know, whatever, or okay. however it works. Okay. But and, I mean, and, that was never and an you, option. But you had that money before this started. I mean, before you started paying lawyers, you could have bailed, you could have bonded yourself out. I did. Right. I did. But, um, yes, but it you, wasn't even, my, my attorneys didn't even mention it. Hey, you should bail out. It's going to be easier to us, for us to build your defense if you're outside. Um, it was, it was, I was worth just north of a half a million. Um, and uh, I figured that, that it wouldn't, I mean, no one mentioned it. No one said, hey, you should bail yourself out. So I just didn't, I didn't. So the, you the made, no, so, so you made no attempt. I mean, did you have the, the ability to borrow or the wherewithal to do it, it? But nobody told you, hey, Matt, this is how this works. Let's, let's get out of this yeah. stinking jail. <laughs> Nope. No one said, no one ever mentioned that. And I just took it upon myself to be like, you know what, maybe you're going to need all your money to go to a defense attorney. So that's right. not, so but, and I, I, didn't, I was retired. I mean, I literally was not working because I, I had, we had everything we needed. We owned the home. We, Emily worked to keep the um, health insurance, but we were, we were worth north of a million. So I retired because I'm a minimalist. I don't need a lot of money. I was just going to kind of live a quiet life uh, off my half million dollars and Emily's half million dollars. Okay. So the, the, the judge set that bond and, and you're sitting in the slammer. Uh, did, uh, did you have any idea at that point when you would go to trial or what the schedule was or? 
Yeah, they, they, they had a court date. They made a court date right at the trial date, um, right at my arraignment. Um, for just, I think it's a couple months, three months, they get, let your let your defense get their shit together. Um, but we we immediately asked for a continuance because there was so much discovery. There was, I don't, I say thirty thousand in my book because that's the number that was said to me. But I'm not sure if it your was lawyers that. your exactly. lawyers were asking for the continuance. Yes, they asked for three continuances and they got all three. So it was 15 months after I got arrested that we actually went to trial because of these continuances. Tell us about uh, tell us about the jail. Tell us about your conditions. Yeah, it's um, I was in a um, violent offender pod, which is like um, it's not solitary, but it's you're stuffed in there with four other people. It's a very small area, and um, you have a little cell of your own. Sometimes you have to share it with somebody, but um, uh, there's no there's no activities. <laughs> there's nothing to do. You're just jails aren't like prisons. Prisons have programs and different things you can do, and you can walk around. It's like a um, a dorm situation. Now that's not what I was in. I was in uh, where you're just basically locked in a, a a pod. They call it. It's maybe ten feet wide by. I don't know, thirty feet long. Was, a, was this the entire the entire fifteen months? You entire fifteen months. I went outside twice. They left because of COVID. There was COVID issues, so um, I went outside twice for an hour each time. So all fifteen, the entire fifteen months, I was in my pod. No, yeah. So it's it's not it's not it's conducive to a healthy lifestyle. The food's horrible. You're in there with people that are just I, I I'm not. Uh, criminal. I don't know any criminals. I don't hang out with those type of people. Um, so it was it was a lot. In the beginning, it really was pressure. It's it's a mind game that they they stick you in those situations, and it's just the whole thing. There's there's no there's nothing to soak up any of the high end sound waves. I don't know if that means anything to anyone, but if you're a musician like I am, um, that means a lot. There's no low end anywhere. So it's just, my ears are still ringing to this day because of being in there. It's just clangy. Everything is banging and it's echoing all the time. It's, it's horrible. It's not a good place to be. Man, I want to back up a second because I forgot to ask you about, there There was some pretty smart ass comments while you were in jail or on your way to jail or during the perp walk made by, by a couple of these Westerville police officers tell us what what they were saying to you i mean they're almost gloating the, about your arrest that was that was a, that's a big part of the book i think i come across there was this um justice for emily movement that started after they found her body that the harassment online stopped right when they found her literally stopped overnight but what happened was they they just took the name of that web, that Facebook page and turned it into justice for Emily. And, um, that's pretty much the, the movement or the, the, that's what was coming from that side of things was this justice for Emily. And it was a big thing. Even with my son's friends, they would mention it. It was a big thing. And when I was being dropped off by grubs and Pete, I don't know if it was Peachy, but it was definitely grubs. Um, as they're, as they're giving, uh, handing me over to the COs at the jail. He says, Hey Matt. And I looked at him and he said, Justice for Emily. Oh. So that told me that's where that whole movement was coming from, was from them. They were behind that whole thing. And he's yeah, breaking my balls. He thought oh, it was funny. He's got a asshole. smile on his face. An and I'm freaked out. I'm like, what what is what is this jail thing even am I gonna get raped in here? <laughs> am I gonna yeah. get stabbed? I didn't know what was going on. Why am I being arrested? I haven't done anything. What fucking is going on right now? And this fucking asshole is just looking at me, smiling. Hey, buddy, we got you. Finally, we put it together. Good luck in there. And then once you're in there, you're monitored all 24 hours a day. You can't. Your phones are monitored. You're monitored when you're in there. They're listening to you. Um, they're videotaping you. So you're literally under constant surveillance. I was under constant surveillance until my trial. And then in trial, I had a camera right in my face. There was no privacy. So you're, my world turned into this completely paranoid. I didn't know who to trust. It was just a mind game in jail. It turns into, you, you start, I was hallucinating. I would see things and hear things. Just, it was, it was 
And they, they know this. I mean, the police know what happens to people when you put them in there. They, they fucking know. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think they care. I think they get that mentality no. that I. They use it against you. They, they, uh, yeah. Let's let's break this guy. They're, I'm sure they were hoping that I was going to just be like, "Fuck it," you know. Um, yeah. I'll admit to it. Just get me out of here. You know. I mean, that literally happens. False confessions happen all the time. I've been in a lot of jails and a lot of uh, prisons as a as a lawyer, not as a defendant here, but. They're all miserable. I mean, I don't think the general public, I, I, you know, you you talk about jail reform and people start calling you a wacko liberal. They just have no, they have no idea. It's fucking torture. It's literal, literal torture. And um, they use it. They use the pressure. They know how to manipulate. They know where to put you in certain cells with certain other inmates that are going to make it worse for you. It's... um, it's a coordinated thing. It's an actual thing that they, they do to try to get you to do whatever the fuck they want to get you to do. Mostly it's to get you to, to, um, to plead, yeah. you know, to, to plead out or whatever, it is, whatever the fuck they need to do. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not, it's so, not fun. so other than the horrendous shitty food, shitty conditions, you're talking to your, your lawyer court at this point, He's visiting about once a week. You have very little access to the discovery. You got you mentioned in the book that you got a small area. You can't even get all the papers that he's showing you. And that's how you communicated, right? I mean, it was yeah. Every it was for like an hour and a half. Yeah, it was every week, and then it was two weeks, then it was a month, then it was six weeks. Um, it just had us what what happens. Come to find out, they don't really need to talk to you. I think you know this, right? <laughs> I do, I do, but I, but I do, but I think you should tell the story. I think everybody should. Yeah, should as, know as this. someone that doesn't didn't know, they don't. Lawyers don't explain things to you. They just expect, yeah, this is what we're going to do. That's why you have to figure things out on the fly. Yeah. But in the well, beginning, I didn't know why isn't this guy here every day helping me out? He, he yeah. just, they just weren't. They, but to come to find out, they just need to know what's in the discovery. Yeah. They don't really well, need to talk to you. I don't know him well enough to you, listen. I don't. As you know, Matt, from listening to, as you know, listening from the previous part, I don't have a problem calling out individual lawyers. I don't know your initial right. guy well enough to to shit on him. But I, I will say, you, or, go ahead. Yeah, I will sorry. say, I will say this. I thought that that I did a good job when I was really explaining and making making the clients aware of of everything. I think I think he's uh, he might be an exception um, to the rule, but most of the uh, uh, most of the lawyers in this jurisdiction that do the high-end criminal practice do do a really good job of walking the clients through what, what they're expecting. I was a little surprised your actual trial lawyer, though, said you were screwed. I don't, I don't know that I've ever said that. Even if I believed it, I would not want a guy in jail. Fucking horrible. It was fucking horrible. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have you explain <laughs> that. Let me give you the background on that real quick, is that responsible caring, compassionate lawyers um, are not going to say, even if they believe it. I mean, you know, you want to be honest with your client. You want to say, hey, this is going to be difficult. Um, we got a tough road. Oh, that's a different story than saying you're fucked. I mean, that is a completely different, especially when you're in jail and you're working your ass off to to try to defend your 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 case. But I can't believe that your actual trial lawyer said that the first time you met with her. And it was like the third time, and she had that. She was doing the uh, that the doctor case at that. Uh, I forget what his name is, yeah. but um, that real big yeah. euthanasia case. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Mount Carmel doctor. She was, yep. she was uh, yeah, Mount Carmel. She was really focused in on that, and um, I reached out to her. I got some people to like go find her, and it was like, hey, you need to come in to see me. And she got pissed. <laughs> she came in. She's like, she didn't say that to me. That's what I figured it was. Was just she was so focused then on that case, and she was going to get to my case when she was done with that case. So she needed me to just stop bothering her. So she came in, and she said what she said. She said, um, um, I, she went through the. She said it doesn't look good for you. You know, it really doesn't. And this is why. And she rattled off all this shit that they had on me. And then she's like, um, and I was like, and then she's like, well, if if you didn't do it, who did? And I'm like, um, I'm innocent. And she's just like, all you guys say that. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I, how am I supposed to take that? And then I talked to court (laughs) after that and I told him what she said. And I said, I said, hey, court, you know, I told her she, I was innocent. And you know what she said? And court's like, yeah, she, she told you that all you guys say that. He already knew. (laughs) He fucking knew. And I was like, oh, 
So it's just a lawyer thing. I get it. You yeah. know, she just wanted me off her back, I guess. I don't know what that was all yeah. about. But it was yeah. I was fucked, man. Yeah. I thought I was gonna go Well, I didn't do I didn't do my my lifetime career being I mean, I started out in Kramat, that's how I got into my sports practice, but uh you you get a and I think any lawyer will tell you this, uh worth I saw it, you two, three meetings, you you got a good sense whether your client's guilty or innocent. I mean, you can you can really make that Mm -hmm. evaluation but ethically i mean you can't i mean you can't you know go tell the court that i mean you you use that evaluation to try to get your client to accept a deal that that's in their best interest you use that information whether you think they're they're guilty or not guilty but i mean and i'm not in her shoes but from the book and the evidence before that man you and and again, we can't completely bash it because she did, she she did get an acquittal. No, I mean, she did get I, an acquittal. I, I, <laughs> I give her a pass on all that. Whatever she was doing, she did it, and it was fine. And it, it it just built. It made it so much more worse. Yeah, <laughs> was well, jealous, that's like, an oh odd. I was thinking on firing her. I was just like, I, I need to get rid of this attorney. She's not looking out for me. And I didn't even know if court was either at that point. I just didn't know. But come to find out after it was all over, it was literally the best thing that could ever have happened to me was to me to have court Gatterdam as my attorney. And then after he's like, listen, you need this woman to come and litigate for you. Is that the word litigate? Or, or sit in front of a jury and, and talk because she's just awesome. I'm like, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better legal counsel, I don't think. Anyway. Let's talk about uh, other dubious lawyers. When we talk, Let's talk about what the 15 months you were in there, uh, you, you hired a couple other lawyers that were uh, trying to protect your assets or protect the condo. Tell us a little bit about what happened, what, what was going well, on. After, after they found her in September of 2000, um, the harassment online went away and then it just became this waiting period where I was just waiting for the, the um, death certificate during this period. It was, I don't know how it was maybe a month or two after they found her. I was got legal paperwork from my wife, Emily's attorney, Thomas Tennant saying that the condo that we were living in, there was a transfer of death on the condo prior to her, making out a will after we got married that left everything to me. Okay. Now who hired, um, who, Matt, who hired Tenef? Who hired? My wife. That was her, Emily's, that was Emily's attorney. Okay. But no, who, what, what family member, who, who, who hired, was it? To come after my, yes. Uh, yeah. After the condo? What, yeah. I, as far as I know, it was her sister. Okay. All right. Cause her sister was on the TOD. She was going to get the condo prior to Emily switching that to uh, making out a will that left everything to me. And TOD supersede wills in Ohio. This guy, uh, Thomas Tenef, he's the guy that wrote the TOD and the will after writing TOD. He, I guess he didn't, all of a sudden it just popped up. Here's this TOD that never got squashed. Well, are, you say, are you saying POD? Or, or, T, TOD, transfer on death. Okay, all right. I think so. You don't have to go through probate, right? Right. Transfer on death. It becomes theirs. So this was just like um, uh, everybody knew. We all had a will. It said that Matt gets everything. Where's this TOD coming from? So I hired. Did you hire? Then you hired an attorney to contest that. You needed an attorney to challenge that, right? Yes, absolutely. I went and I hired a very um, high-priced civil attorney. Two, two of them. Actually, I don't think you know about the other one. The first, the first one was Garth Cox, okay. and he turned me on to this guy in Delaware named Adam Reinhardt. They became my civil attorneys. They were fighting for my TOD, my the condo, which I was told I had to move out. And um, this was prior to the death certificate didn't be being produced. But they're like, you need to move ha- out. Hang on a second. Why'd you need two lawyers? Did did, did he want a lawyer that was in <laughs> Delaware County? If if that was the case, why was he still staying on getting fees then? Um, yeah, that's this guy, uh, Adam Reinhardt, literally, I cut him a check. He, he lived up near the Delaware County courthouse. That's what it was explained to me. So that Garth wouldn't have to drive up there. So we'd have a guy in Delaware that can do whatever needs to be done in Delaware. Okay. Well, sometimes to treat you just a little bit of defense, not much, because I've told you my feeling, but uh, sometimes you hire a, a lawyer that has a relationship, excuse me, with the probate judge or with the court in that particular county. But at that point, you don't need to be paying two lawyers to be doing the same damn thing. And that happens, 
uh, it's unbelievable how much how much that happens. Right? I was I told mean, that I needed I needed him. So I I mean I had I had money and it was I was dealing with other things. So right. I just started throwing money at it. I'm like whatever, just take care of it. I don't even care. Well, TODs, supersede wills. We're gonna have to go in there and change the law. This Garth guy is telling me. So I'm like, do whatever you got to do, but this is my fucking house. And I have the PO, I have power of attorney rights over all, all her funds, which were frozen without a death certificate. I don't know how that happened. Do you know how, you know how hard it is? Do you know how hard it is, Matt, to change a, a legislative statute and make it retroactive? I mean, yeah, well, that, that's, it's impossible. I mean, it's, it's impossible. That doesn't happen. I was told. We were, and we were going in to change the law. And I was like, you know what? Just do it. Whatever. It, well, and, uh, well, you know now. You, you know now. You weren't changing shit. I mean, no, it's it was a complete waste of money. Um, it was just, I, I mean, so, we so, had an argument. I, the TOD shouldn't supersede wills. Emily wanted the condo to go to me, and they used the TOD issue to, to fuck me out of my house. It uh, worked. Well, we're gonna. I mean, I was. We're 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 gonna find you another probate lawyer. It's gonna take a look at this when we're, we're done with this podcast because I I'm not an expert in probate law, but that doesn't sound right. Does doesn't, it doesn't it's, sound it's, right. That could happen. I think the judge let it happen too. Where whoever the judge was, I'm in jail. I I don't have anybody showing up at these hearings that the the speak because I stopped paying guards because I had to, I had to start paying my uh criminal, my defense attorneys. I didn't have money for two fronts, so I just well, stopped and, and the house is gone. And then it's worse for they you, Matt, it. because as a practical matter, you know, even if your lawyer walks in there, well, where's your client? Well, he's in prison. He's going to be tried for murder. I mean, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt on any yeah, of that right. thing happening. But it's unfortunate that you lost that when when in the will that, you know, she wanted to give that to you. But it brings it back to the point that the sister, uh, your, would be your sister-in-law, believed that you killed her. Right. They right? talked her into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All so right. I'm not like, I understand they were, they were, it was carte blanche as right. far as, and you could do whatever to this guy that you want because he's guilty of murder. So how how much money, how much money did you spend on civil lawyers? I mean, why this was happening? Did, did, I mean, it's kind I'm of hard to it, say that after, after I don't know the exact amount, but after I got released, acquitted, I still kept Garth as an attorney because my family was like, no, he's an all right guy. You can trust him. And I'm like, well, uh, OK, um, we'll just uh, he knew he knew me. You know, I was just like, here, here's here. What, what is it going to take for you to just to keep an eye on this tenant guy who now has the executorship over my wife's estate? Just keep an eye on him. And um, if something comes up. We'll fix it. And he's like five grand. I'm like, cool. I'm out of this. I get I get what's coming to me. Whatever's left of Emily's estate after the condo's gone. Um, so what'd you get for that five grand? During this, um, during this, um, I I'm he tells me that Tenef is suing the estate for the for the attorney fees that he spent on suing me for the TO power of attorney rights, the TOD condo thing and the condo itself. So I'm paying that the, the estate is is liable for all of his attorney fees. Okay, he might not and have I'm been like, suing. Well, he might have made an application for attorney whatever, fees. Whatever you want to call yeah, it. But, but, I, Garth, Garth comes at me with that and I'm like, well, that's not right. I'm not paying that asshole for this. Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, how much to fight this? He's like, another five grand. So we had a verbal agreement, 10000 And by oh, this point, God. I just got released from prison or from jail. I mean, I just went through this whole fucking thing. I just want to fucking let it I don't want anything to do with and paying any more attorneys. I don't want to do this anymore. He said ten thousand. There was a hearing coming up um, on that or some sort of. They, he had to attend. We went over ten thousand before the hearing. I was in thirty four thousand dollars fighting for to keep my rights uh, before I went to jail. After I got out of jail, I paid this guy another over ten thousand. So you're almost at, you're result. almost you're at fifty grand and. Uh... Easy. Do you have all those bills? Yes. All, sure. right. all the motions, all on my computer, everything. Okay. I, got right. well, we're, I just we're, don't know what to do about it. Well, we're going to hire another attorney. No, well, we're going to we're gonna get somebody to evaluate that's not going to charge you a retainer. That's what we're going to do. So thank you. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that offline. offline and, and I'm not telling you the story. It's, um, I'm just telling you the truth. It might be a little jumbled up, the facts, and, but this 
this is what happened to me. This is what these lawyers have done to me. And, um, well, I mean, here I am paying for his attorney fees. Matt, this is I'm why I, Matt, 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 this is why you're on a podcast called Lawyers Are Assholes. Cause this is, <laughs> yeah. All right. So they don't give a fuck. They don't care. Man. A lot if of they them have don't. leverage on you. It's in the book, what they did to me as far as in my, 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 my arrest being intimate, intimate or it's coming. They knew it. They didn't care. Yeah. They didn't care. Well, it was all, it's all mine. Many of them are. That's that's why we're doing this, and we're gonna we're gonna call them out. We'll investigate it. We'll follow up, and if there's something to be followed up, we're going to talk about it in a in a subsequent uh, podcast. But let's get to uh, let's get to uh, trial. Let's get to trial. So tell us about how they uh, they paraded you to, uh, which I I don't understand this too because they had you in leg shackles. Did yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, they did. Like it, it just ki- it just kills me. Like you know, there's 27 deputies around, and how far are you going to run? I mean, I somebody's got to talk to a, a a sheriff in one of these counties and say, "Come on, man, let's let's lay off the leg shackles and the irons." And I mean, especially they put them on these frail, small women. It's just a fucking joke. It's um, a money grab. They're all being paid. They're all there. They're sheriffs making whatever they make a year. They have to do something. You should see it's like Keystone cops behind the jail. They're, they're standing around doing nothing, bumping yeah. into each other. Yeah. They all have jobs. They're all got vacations and mortgages to pay. It's all about money. It really yeah. is. It's, uh, so, so I got. So you're shackled. Got, so you're all leg shackled. You go to, uh, they let you, uh, let you put on civilian clothes, right? They did. They, they gave me the opportunity. They didn't want to, but they gave my attorneys fought for it. And they, um, I, did, I don't know about the camera for a court TV that was in my face. I didn't have any choice about that. I don't know where that came from, but uh, here I am. I, I go in there and I just looked awful. I felt awful. I demoralized. I didn't know who to trust. I went into my trial and just defeated, completely sure. defeated. So your attorney uh, does the, uh, well, the prosecution goes first and they painted you they cited their expert, I'm assuming, I don't know this, I didn't read this in the book, but I'm assuming that they touted their expert. Am I right? They, they spent the first half of the, their, their, the uh, prosecution um, interviewing people that had no effect on anything. There was no evidence. There was... I mean, I, I talk about it in my book. It's hard to explain. It was like they were they didn't have anything, so they just needed to put people up there. That so, was, well, one was, was a just, one was a childhood friend or something. I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years, or, or I mean, right? There, yeah. There's several. I mean, her sister went up there, which was a big deal, right? But she didn't say anything because we got along great. I mean, I loved her. She was my. I'm gonna get emotional. She was my. Um, That's all right, yeah, man. My family, yeah. And uh, so she, she wasn't, but they didn't say anything. They, they like, they had her say that I said that if you ever want to see your wife again alive, you need to whatever, cooperate with me or something. I said, and I remember saying that, but it was completely taken out of context at the trial. You know, it made everybody like, oh my God, she was, maybe she was still alive and he was keeping her somewhere. It was just like, no, I was saying that because um, of all the people that were saying what they were saying and we needed to get rid of all that, the, the, hey, she's dead, you killed her. We need to look for her because she's alive out there somewhere. So we need to make this thing, the harassment to stop so we can start looking for her. Right. So it's just taken. Things are taken. All the things that they pretty much were present with at the, in the beginning were just things did, that were taken out of context. Now, did you have on opening, did you have a Perry Mason drama uh, king or queen prosecutor that – that looks over to you eight times and calls you murder and you killed her. And I mean, how- they, they only did that once. Yeah. He, he did it once. He pointed at me and said, that man right there. And he looked at me. They, they were, um, they, they, they did the best they could with what they had, which was nothing. I think, you know, on um, the prosecutors, and, and I don't not, know who makes that. But in but, hindsight, though, Matt, do you think, do you think that they were prodded by the Westfield police to really, move forward with this prosecution. You tell me, I talk about that. In my oh, book. no, that, ha- no, that absolutely happens. But here's a, a question. I don't know the answer to, um, you know, the stands and lawyer never asked a question. I don't know the answer to, but my question here is, did they offer you ever offer you a plea deal? Did they ever offer it you? It was a deal? never. No, they didn't. Not one time. Um, 
Boy, that's, you know, a, that's unusual my, too. My, my lawyer came in once, and I forget which one it was, but hinted towards it. Yeah, it was it was dying. It was more of that pressure she put on me by coming in and saying, "Hey, man, if it wasn't you, you did it." You know, whatever. She said she started talking about plea deals, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, plea deals! Yeah. I'm not pleading." So I think she might have like been feeling me out to see if I'd be like, "Yeah, if you guys bleed, right. they're gonna give me the death penalty." And you said, thing, "And so. you said no way. You said no way. I'm not." I'm not. But don't you fucking come in here with any fucking deals. Are you crazy? There's no way that's going to happen. I'd rather be dead and fucking be offered a plea deal and right. accept it. Right. It wasn't. So they just stopped talking about okay. it. So, so people see this from the book. They, they put up some prop witnesses that, that offered no substance at all. Um, yeah, very good. Other than just good witnesses. But then they put up their expert that said that she was strangled, or uh, not strangled, I'm sorry, that she... Uh, uh, had some other broken bones that were were right. not in that were inconsistent rather with a with a hanging, right. and that's what they brought in. And had you not seen any of these gruesome pictures until the trial? Did you get any of this in discovery? Right. Nope. So you're sitting there and then you're looking at your wife that right. basically no flesh. I mean, Oof, uh, horrible. Uh, they, they they pixelated all the pictures on court TV, but they were horrendous. Like she was like a mummy. Uh-huh. She was nineteen pounds. She didn't even look like a person. It was just like this thing. It was horrifying. Yeah. Um, I was shut down emotionally. I think by then I was prepared for but, it. Too, but, you know? And it's going to be interesting uh, because I'm talking to to one of your jurors, Matt, who so complimentary of you and so negative about what happened. I mean, you're you're gonna. Uh, we'll find out. I don't want to even give it away. The number of minutes, I mean, there was just, there was no way. I mean, this this jury, they were, as soon as they walked in the room, um, there wasn't enough evidence for this to happen. And I'm really interested to, to get her, uh, how she felt here. But from my in, initial interview with her indication, this was about you, the body cams, the, the concern that you showed initially that you were distraught and they tried to manipulate these facts against you. And it wasn't, it wasn't entirely the battle of the experts because your experts said, you know, she hung herself. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. it was as simple as that, but, but what she's indicating, it, it didn't come down to these, these two experts. And I mean, I think everybody knows this. I mean, you know, you, these experts are all bought and sold and paid for. And, and you the, know, a the, lot of their, their guy, I go into it in my book. You couldn't come up with it for a movie script. This guy comes in about how bad he was. Do you look at this guy? He, he's his name is smock. And he's literally, he testifies at trials. He's a, a police surgeon. He's a cop. He's a cop. Do you know what a cop is? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a police officer to be a cop. He's a cop. He'll say whatever you want him to say. And he came in and he, he fucked it all up for him, I think. He did. Uh, the lady down at the OSU, um, Agnew, the, 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 the original um, professor from OSU, everything was OSU. And are you an OSU guy, Brett? No, I'm I not. No, I'm, a, I'm an Ohio University guy. Don't even get me started on Oh, okay, on, sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah, no, no, no. Like not, OSU related. Was, don't even get me started things. on OSU fans and how they're the most hated fans yeah. in America because they can't accept winning without being obnoxious. But I, I don't want to get haters. So I, oh. And it runs deep. It runs being an outsider to that area. You know what I mean? And then I come into it and living there. It runs more than just being obnoxious when you when you when you win or lose. Right. <laughs> Those people are just you have a fanatical fan base. You know, right. Comes up. So how, how did you think day by day the trial was going? I mean, run us through what, what was your emotions? What were you? I, I was figuring things out as I was going because no one told me anything. Um, we were all waiting for them to produce something. I didn't know what was in the discovery because they never, I was never shown it. So I was. This still amazes me. I got to interrupt you because I can't believe that. The, the lawyers didn't say, I expect the trial to go here. I expect here witness. No. I mean, they get a witness list. They, I mean, they should have nope. showed, they should have come to you and said, who is this person? Who's this person? Uh, what, what are they going to say? Nope. You, as a, as a defense the, lawyer, you would say that you would ask your client. I, I had no idea who was going to be a witness for, for me, for them. I had no, I went to that trial not knowing anything. 
That that just and that it's now, now, looking me, at, now it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm cool with it. I guess it works. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah, but not to not to get your opinion on what that person. I don't even know how she. I mean, she didn't have any information to cross-examine them. I mean, usually the client gives you that. Well, he, you know, that lady never did like me. Um, you know, we went out one time and, and you know, we got into a big right. argument. And I mean, that's things that you tell the lawyer that you can cross-examine the witness on. And, and there was, there was you, I'm not going to say there was none of that going on. I talked to court about some things. Um, but yeah, there wasn't, it was just, there was so much that they needed to know that I thought they needed to know. Yeah, but for you not to have, for you not to have a witness list the day of the trial. No. I mean no witness, no witness list. And you didn't know who your witnesses were. No. I might have. I don't know. But they didn't use it. Okay, all right. Well that's fair hindsight. Mm-hmm. So then so the day to day you're you're going did you did you feel I'm that, waiting for them to produce the evidence that would get me arrested. And it literally everybody was Talk to Con, uh, juror number eight, Connie, when you have her on. Everybody's just waiting. There must be something coming. It's coming. They keep bringing these people up that aren't saying anything. It's like they were they were filling in, just making making. Uh, uh, it was fodder, right? It was just right. filler. So you were but waiting hey, for the hammer coming. to drop. You were waiting for the hammer yeah. to drop. And 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 it never came. And it was literally the the prosecution rests. And I was like, you motherfuckers, you have nothing. How could you do this to someone? I was so pissed. I was so pissed. Now, how did how did Grubbs do? What what what? Uh, how did he do? Yeah. Um, he, it's in my book, and there's there's like three or four things that he does a ton of things, and he was saying these things. But um, there's a couple main points that I make in my book that where he was, they would make points, but they didn't never connected the dots. They were like, hey, look at this. Ooh, that's weird, right? Well, why is that relevant? It never was. It's not relevant. They, they just, it's, um, Grubbs, um, it's my contention that he knew that I was innocent, that he just did what he did for whatever reason, money, power, whatever, his career. Mm. Well, that could um, be, I mean, he, you know, once he went down that road. Maybe he had no choice. Maybe, maybe once you can, you say, Hey, this guy's a, a murderer. He committed. A well, murder he's watching, he's, he's watching social media for clues too. So he's probably right. in there, you know, getting this hero worship status of, you know, Grubb's going to take this guy down. They gave him an award while they were like this for, you, for your arrest. No, no. Oh, okay. It was prior to my arrest. Okay. But it was like, hey, all of a sudden you got cop of the year award, you know, right in the middle of my investigation. And all the people that were against me on social media was like, hey, here he is. You know, hey, the cop of the year. Look at him go. Oh, yeah. You know, and my, my dad called me. So, yeah, they gave, they gave Grubbs an award. They gave him a little trophy and put it on his desk now. Hey, good for him. Um, yeah. Okay. There, there, I don't want to, like, give away everything that's in my book, but I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one thing that he did um, that's pretty like this is what you have to look at everything that they were bringing up against me that had any kind of relevance at all. I received a text message on Tuesday, the day after I called her in, which would have been the 26th of May that, that, that said it was a ransom text. And it said that, uh, and these are, it was, it, we've, we've kidnapped Emily and we want $7,000. And I, this is before Wednesday when they accused me of murder. So I was like, Hey, I reached out to Grubbs and I'm like, Hey, I got this text, man. I mean, what am I, I don't know, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, well, bring your phone down and I'll analyze it. Bring it down so I can check it out. And I'm like, all right, got in the shower. And I showered. And, and as I'm in the shower, I'm like, if I give him my phone, I'm not going to have a phone. And this is probably bullshit. You can kind of tell it's just what one of them scams. You know what I mean? Right. You can kind of tell. They put the, the $7,000 sign at the end of the 7000 So it was like, that's foreign shit, right? And you could just tell what the, what, the way they were texting. I was just like, fuck it. It's probably bullshit anyway. So I, I called, or I text Grubbs back, and I said, hey, listen, I'm not going to come down. It's probably bullshit anyway. And that was the end of it. He never now followed up? He never followed up? Yeah, listen. <laughs> so, no, he absolutely didn't ever follow up. So anyway, so we're at trial, and, and Diane's hay, which was just like easy pickings for this woman. She's just like... <laughs> Hey, you remember that that uh, that um, the ransom text? Um, I noticed in your police notes that you never followed up on that as a viable lead. Um, why is that? And Grubbs goes, now he's fucking in court testifying. He's like, oh yeah, he never brought the phone down, so I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? 
and uh, uh, this is just one idea. thing. <laughs> and then my Diane goes, "Yeah, you took the the phone the next day with a warrant. Why didn't?" And he went, "Okay." That's all he says. Okay. <laughs> okay. You ever hear cops? Okay. And they're violating your rights. You ever hear you? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well. That's all he said. He fucking he, the reason he didn't look into the the um the text as a viable lead because it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And that's how you have to look at everything. No, now, I'm not going to give everything in the book, but they literally got tunnel vision yeah. right from the start. Yeah. These no, guys are fucking was, amateurs down there. He he was on your balls, Matt, the day this happened. I mean, yeah, it was just an opportunity for this guy to push his career, to do whatever, to, to call all his buddies. Hey, you know, you got you you got this dog canine unit. They actually, when they arrested me, they made this list of all the agencies they used. You know what I mean? And they actually put the dog people and thanked them. What did you do? You missed yeah, it. I saw that. It was a you great, that, that was a great addition to the, that was a great addition to yeah, the book. Yeah, right? Where you Here put, are all the fucking people that fucked this investigation up. We just want to brag to everybody, to the fucking people in Westerville, how we spent all your fucking money on nonsense. Right. Here it is. It's like, what are you fucking stupid? Uh, you know, that's, stupid, right? that's interesting, uh, Matt. It's one of the, one of the things that you're, um, had, had indicated her frustration was all the amount of money spent in this investigation. Had they gone back and looked at her history, uh, known that, that she was suicidal, they didn't even, that wasn't, that wasn't there. If it couldn't implicate me, they pretended like it didn't exist. I, I, and they went to trial yeah. and they was like, they didn't see that coming. You don't yeah. know that my attorney, who's this fucking ace, is going to point that out to everybody. It was like they didn't even care. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, Jury was out what two hours? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And your your juror said that they that they they could have been out fifteen minutes, but yeah, because they they slept. They said, "Hey, let's let's go home tonight, and we'll come back tomorrow. And if you all feel the same way, we'll let we'll kick this guy." And yeah, yeah it's just um, her name is Connie. She's sweet. I waved to her. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Holy shit! Oh, well, well, I, she's I, I, she's I, she's. I She's come to bat for you. So she's my she's one of my angels. She's a sensible, reasonable person. She looked at this and she's like, What is going on? Why are they doing this? And I felt sorry for the there were some older jurors that were up there and, and they hung in there. I mean, to sit through all that. Imagine <laughs> sitting down at eighty years old or what seventy five years old, whatever you are, and having to go through all yeah. that. I mean, they, they didn't fall asleep, they didn't ask to go to the bathroom, they all were so like focus. Well, somebody, let me let me ask you, that, Matt when when the jury came back in that short period of time, you had to be still thinking that I mean it's over. I mean you're you're going to walk with that that short period of time. Did you think that or not? No, absolutely not. I when you're in that position, you just for me it was easier to be like you know what, don't think that this is good and and good. If it ends good, fantastic, but get ready for this because you're going down. I, there's, there wasn't any reason for me to think that the jury was any different than the prosecutors. And you know what I mean? And the, and cops. the cops. And the cops. Central so, so you it's resigned yourself to lose. You you really, yes. is it? It was way easier. So when I got found not guilty, it was like a shock. You you got to understand when you're in in this position, you literally shut down emotionally. You can't, like, they say, hey, look at, look out, like when people get convicted. And they might still not be, they might be innocent, but everybody's like, look at how, look how cold he is. No emotion. You have to be like that. There isn't any other way to deal with it. I don't see any other way. So I, yeah, I was, it was easier for me to just be like, you're, you're going man. just be prepared for it. So I just got ready for the worst. Now, I mean, now that I look at it, I'm like, yeah, of course, man, there was no, you you shouldn't have been afraid at all, but it was, it wasn't like when you're in that position after being in jail for 15 months and they put you through what they do there. Plus my attorney saying what they were saying to me, you know, kind of making me feel awful and scared. Did did Grubbs or the prosecutor or did a single cop that investigated that came after you, did any of those people after this trial (laughs) apologize to you? Say anything? No. Nothing. There, there's there. No. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. I did. No, no. Not a no one. One reached out, and there's there's been one, um, Law and Crime Network, which is a bunch of hacks. They're fucking awful cop apologists. They're pro establishment. Don't ever think you're gonna get the real story from fucking crime that. Law and Crime Network. They're fucking in court TV. Well, but understand why they're that way. All their sources, all those sources are cops. 
uh, Matt. So they're not. They're never going to be. They're never going to be. They're never going right. to be pro defendant. I mean, no matter how innocent. So, so Grubbs went on Law and Crime TV, and he's doing damage control, and he's still saying the same things. He even brought. He brought up things that were that were in trial that that were used against them. He's still using them because he knows people don't have the time to go look at the trial. So they're, oh, we never would have brought him to trial if we didn't have any evidence against. This him. is that after the, the trial. This is after the trial. After, after the fucking trial, dude, he's still out there saying the same fucking thing. Have you fought, have you, have you tried to file a, a complaint against him? How do you, I, I don't want to, uh, no, I, I, I wrote a book. Well, we're going to file, no, we're also going to file a complaint. We're going to talk about that off, offline too. That, sure. that idiot I mean, can't be, that me, can't, he can't still be out there, out there Using d- the disparaging, rationale. disparaging your name when you were yeah. acquitted. You got to yeah. be kidding me. Saying the same things he said in court that were ridiculous and baseless, and there was no validity to it. He's still saying the same thing. How does the again, department let him go do that? I mean, how do they even let him out to do that? I mean, doesn't he have work to do? Right? Doesn't he have another more? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they don't have work to do in Westerville. They don't do anything. There's no crime in Westerville. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? A murder case? They're like, woo! Yeah. Hey, look what we got here. Let's fucking fuck this dude. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't care. Well, it's happening still. It's still there. I don't. I, I just wrote book. If you want to know the truth about what happened? Read the book. Well, we're gonna I'm put uh, Matt. We're gonna we'll put the we'll put the the uh, link directly to Amazon, which is how I got it. It's a good. If you want to know the truth? I was there for the whole fucking thing. It's right there. I didn't make any of it. I'm not that clever. There's no way. There's. It's yeah. you read it, right? Right. Oh you read yeah. It? Oh, I, like I'm I, lying to you. I think I got it through in about an hour. I was. I was. I couldn't put it down. But Matt, what are you? What are you doing? What are you doing now? How are you getting your life back together? I have the most fantastic family and friends that anybody could ever ask for. Well, you can see that with your father in the book. I mean, they're definitely, um, he's the rock, but. And he's, and it's, it's been, I lost him when I was, when he was in jail. I mean, the pressure of it. I mean, I can't even start to tell you that how much he had 20 years left in him. My dad was just a force of nature. He was, a guy that was his mother's still alive. Fran, she's still 102. They they were just alike. Um, this this whole thing. Well, the pressure. Yeah, with your kid. I mean, pressure it's, 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 it's got to be yeah, incredible. Was, you're not in Columbus anymore, right? You're no, absolutely not. I was told to get out of there as soon as I could because there's people making death threats online. So I just left. My family was worried about my safety, and I was I wanted to get an apartment right next to the Westville Police Department and sit out there with a sign every day. <laughs> Well, my family's saying, now you probably want to get out of it. So I well, left. I wrote the book. I got the, I've been, I've spent, I just finished it. Like I just, I published it on the 20th of this month. So I just got done with it. And it took me pretty much that whole time to write it. Cause I'm a dumb ski. I'm not very, well, you know, here's what, here's what, <laughs> here's what we will do though, is we'll send these episodes over to, uh, we'll do a public records quote. We'll get the emails, public emails of all them. And, cool. and uh, we'll let them hear what you had to, what you had to say about it. So, well, anyway, man, I, I really appreciate you, you you doing this. I I discovered, I mean, I, I followed it, um, and then I really got interested when I saw the book, the story on the book, and then my friends at Channel Ten gave me your contact info, and and then uh, and then we got the juror coming up, and I think uh, our listeners are going to really enjoy Do you listening think critique, to this. Critique, critique, critique my case. Let people know what really goes on. I'm I'm still like completely like blown away. I don't I don't know really why things are the way they are. You do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to take more than I do. Well, we're going to we're going to take a look at it. We're going to take a look at it offline. So, all right. Well, listen. Thanks. Thanks so much for being on here, man. I really appreciate it. All right, Brett. All right. Thanks, man. So, folks, we just heard two episodes of the Matt Moore case, the acquittal in a case that uh, should have never. Uh, been prosecuted, and at this recording, I have the advantage of already talking to the to the jurors. So uh, I'm not going to spoil my rant completely uh, in talking about what she had to say, uh, what uh, what Connie had to say as a juror. But and again, in a little bit of defense, it's easy in hindsight to analyze this and say why why did the Westerville Police Department uh, put this guy through this when he reported his wife missing when he went to the police and said to them, here uh, is her conduct. Help me find her. When he goes on the streets of Columbus 
to festivals during COVID to hand out pamphlets trying to find his his wife. Now, the cynics can say, well, you know, he's just trying to cover this up. But And as you're going to hear in Connie's testimony, the, the, the body cam from these cops showed a guy, uh, Matt, that was um, distraught, that he is a guy that wanted to find his his wife um, and gave them all the clues in the world. And what unfortunately happens when, in, in summation, what they did was they concluded that he was the murderer from day one. I mean, they they didn't look at anybody else. They didn't look at any other patterns. They didn't look at they didn't look at an abduction. They 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 didn't initially until, uh, in fact, we don't even know how much they looked at the suicide uh, suicidal history in both families, uh, or they may have taken a different attack at that point. But uh, they were dead set on arresting him. And uh, and they did, and then uh, and then you go to the disgusting perp walk uh, where they planned all the media to be there, uh, which we've got to change that. Oh, I just just that's just ridiculous. I mean, especially especially in a situation where the guy has been uh, completely uh, completely exonerated, and then he goes to a trial where they present. I mean, they just presented witnesses to have witnesses. I mean. None of them provided anything substantive, um, and and certainly the uh, experts that the state paid for or we paid for with our tax dollars couldn't show that you know, especially without any DNA or anything tying Matt to the crime, showing nothing, zero physical evidence, um, and then to have, and again, I, I don't want to be the spoiler alert, but you know, a jury that takes less than three hours, but you're going to hear it didn't take. Uh, nearly three hours in reality to conclude that Matt was not guilty here. And as I said earlier, you're going to have cynics that because uh, what we do, unfortunately, in social media is we, none of the big companies um, require identity. Because if, if we had social media that wouldn't let idiots that wouldn't identify themselves or, or comment under fake names or you know, there's just no accountability in social media and for what this guy went through and had to endure and still endures um, to this day is outrageous because, folks, he was he was acquitted by a jury of his peers. Um, you're going to find out how quickly and how unequivocally um, they believe that he was uh, completely innocent. And this was this was a failure all the way around from from the initial prosecution, uh, from a, the insistence by one lead detective who, I don't know, we, it may have been his first murder case, at least you're, you're going to hear some comments from the, from the juror um, on that issue. But uh, he was uh, obsessed with getting, uh, with getting Matt, uh, not necessarily justice. And, and justice, um, as the judge, as you will hear, the, the, the judge said later was to... Uh, was to Matt here because he, he loved his wife. Uh, he attempted to find his wife. He did everything possible to find his wife and not be in this situation. But it started with what the cops, the, the prosecutors, they had the uh, decision whether to prosecute or not. They decided to go forward. And then when you hear about a judge being happy about the verdict, then that's usually a pretty indication, pretty good indication that the case uh, should have never been prosecuted in the first place. Tragedies all the way around. Um, I'm glad that we were able to to hear his story, and uh, I think you'll even be more fascinated in next week's episode with uh, with talking to juror number eight, um, who came forward and and really has some interesting angles and aspects uh, that she shared that will show you that even more than what I'm stating right here, that Matt should not have been prosecuted initially. So anyway, that is my slight rant because I'm not as passionate because I, I normally when I talk about this, because I honestly uh, have had numerous conversations with Matt uh, after our recording, trying to help him uh, rectify some civil situations and um, just feel bad for the guy. His life was was wrecked, uh, in my opinion, by overzealous prosecutors and and not necessarily competent police investigation. But as always, thank you for listening to Lawyers Are Assholes.
17 summers ago. 